0: Jesus often ran into a group of judgmental hypocrites. One time, they were more concerned that he had broken one of their rules than that he had helped a hurting man. Well, I'm glad that you and I never do things like that. Or do we? Here's Trent Griffin. Do you care
1: that there are people all around us whose lives are withering? Or do you just sit back and look for a reason why their lives are withering? I know why that they probably spent their money unwisely. They probably got some kind of a drug addiction. But do you care? Because the law of love is all about caring and doing good and bringing life. The law was never meant to do harm. The law was never meant to destroy.
0: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, senior pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana, I'm Aaron Paulus. Have you ever read funny lists that go, you might be a redneck if, or you might be from the UP if, you know, those can be entertaining. And I wonder what would be on a list of, you might be from Michiana if, well, here you go. A quick Google search just yielded this from theodysseyonline.com. It's not necessarily funny, but it's still cool. You know you're from Michigan when... And it's a list of all sorts of things, like Penn High School, Martin Supermarket, Notre Dame, St. Joe, Michigan, Amish Acres, the Riverwalk, things like that. Oh, and we dare not leave out that, yes, Adam Driver, who played Kylo Ren or Ben Solo in the Star Wars movie, went to Mishawaka High School. Well, today, Pastor Trent has a list of his own, and I'll let him explain. Here's Pastor Trent, continuing this series, All Things New. You might be a Pharisee
1: if you have trouble diagnosing your own sin sickness. That's what we learn here from this passage. Jesus has compassion on these Pharisees. He wants them at the table. He wants them to be healed. But until a Pharisee sees his sin sickness, Jesus is not going to do anything for him. He came not for the self-righteous, but he came for sinners. Now, I want you to notice in this story, as he calls Levi, Jesus doesn't overlook his sin. Jesus calls Levi a sinner. If somebody's ever looked at you and says, you're a sinner, that doesn't mean they're a Pharisee. That means they're acting like Jesus. And so don't mistake what Jesus's role is in your life. Jesus doesn't excuse their sin. He calls them to repentance. This is what Jesus did so well. He accepted persons and then challenged the sinner that lives inside the person. And so we don't just say, hey, just come as you are. You don't have to do anything. There's no change. You don't, don't worry about your behavior. That's not what Jesus did. He's like, no, you, you got a fundamental problem. Your sin is making you terminally sick, and the only cure is repentance. And so yes, you call a sinner to repentance, but you never do it from a self-righteous, religious, rule-keeping attitude. You call it from a position of grace where Jesus has come as the great physician to call people to repentance. Here's the second sign, you might be a Pharisee. You might be a Pharisee if you feel more spiritual, fasting, than feasting. The story continues in verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, remember him. He had a following. He's the cousin of Jesus. The disciples of John fast. They abstain from food. They have these long seasons where they don't consume food, and it creates a physical hunger in them. And that physical hunger is a reminder of the spiritual hunger that we all have of God. And so, boy, fasting seems super spiritual, which it is. But notice these Pharisees are so focused on the fasting, they've got no category for feasting. They, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours, your disciples, like this Levi character and Peter, Simon, John, James, these guys, they eat and they drink and they seem to enjoy it. You can't do that. You can't enjoy eating. I mean, I, we have to eat, but you you it should just be like, gluten-free and you, like, you can't enjoy anything. I'm, I'm sorry, some of you are gluten-free and you enjoy it. I'm, bless you. But uh, the, eating and, and drinking is a, is a grace. It's a common grace that God gives to all. Oh, it should be enjoyed like a Krispy Kreme donut. And it says in verse 34, Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? And if there was ever an occasion for celebration, this was it. Jesus has taken an outcast who was far from God, despised by everyone, whose occupation took him away from the people of God. And Jesus has brought him near. He has called him to repentance. He has left everything in the joy of knowing Jesus. And Jesus says, fellas, think with me. This is like a wedding. I am the groom and I have fallen madly in love with a person who had turned their back on me. I have overcome their resistance. I have won their heart. This person brings me such joy. I want to be with this person. Do you see in the story, Jesus is the groom. You are the bride. Now I know that every bride is beautiful, but you, not so much. When it comes to Jesus being attracted to you, nothing in you that would attract Jesus to you ugly to God and yet loved chosen cherished treasured promised love covenant relationship engaged in Exchanging of vows, even a symbol, not a ring on our finger, but something called baptism that identifies us forever belonging to Jesus. That is an occasion, not for fasting, but for feasting. And these Pharisees had no category for it because they'd never understood that they were unconditionally loved by God and their. Relationship with God is not based on how attractive they could make themselves to Jesus. Look here, verse 35, let's read that. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Yeah, there was gonna be a time when Jesus was taken away, taken away to the cross and then ascended to heaven. And so here we are for 2000 years, waiting for Jesus soon return. And there are times when we fast, we so long to be with Jesus. We're so hungry for Jesus presence that we, we fast. But when he returns again, it'll be a time of feasting. Here's the third thing. Pharisees confuse resting with working. And then verse 36, he told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And again, we've mentioned this to you, but Jesus was making the analogies. These Pharisees were like these old, crusty, inflexible wineskins. And trying to put the new wine of Jesus into an old wineskins means it will burst. They just have no category for that. And these guys were just satisfied with the way that things had always been. That's why it says in verse 39, no one after drinking the old wine desires the new for he says, the old is good. Old is good enough, we just like the way we've always done it and our grandfather did it this way and my daddy did it this way and my church did it that way and so this is the way we're gonna do it. Instead of thinking, maybe your granddaddy was a Pharisee. Maybe the traditions of your religious experience were just a bunch of crusty old wineskins. Do you have any category to think about Jesus in a way that is a daily, enjoyable drinking in of his presence? That's what he did for Levi. and That's what he wants to do for you as well. Then we get into chapter six, verse one. The next event happened on a Sabbath. While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? All right, so this is what they did. Jesus and his disciples are traveling, going through a grain field. There were no 7-Elevens available, so they grabbed some wheat and they rubbed it together in their hands and they popped it in their mouth. And in doing so, they broke four laws that the Pharisees had created in order to obey the Sabbath. Now, there is a law about the Sabbath in the Old Testament. It's real simple. It's in the top 10. Matter of fact, it's number four on God's top 10 list. Here it is. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. There you go. So here, what's the deal about Sabbath? Sabbath is simply a day of rest. It's a day where you're supposed to cease working from whatever you did the rest of the week and give that day to God. How are you doing with that? Most of us don't do a good job with that. We need to do a better job with that because we're overworked. You say, yeah, but I got all this technology that makes my life easier. Yeah, the technology makes it possible for you to work like everywhere all the time. How you doing with that? God has built rhythms into the human existence. The Sabbath is a rhythm. Every seventh day, cross that out on the calendar, rest. He's also built a rhythm into the human existence on a daily basis. You see, every 16 hours or so, he makes you go unconscious. It's called sleep, right? Now you can violate the Sabbath and it's gonna have negative negative consequences, but even more immediate, you violate sleep and you just, just, you're gonna be toast, right? And so God builds this in. So why do you think God built the rhythm in daily and weekly for us to rest? Real simple, God wants to convince you he can run the universe without you. He doesn't need whatever you think you have to contribute to running the world. And so every 16 hours, he puts you to sleep, he stays awake controlling the universe. This is the reason why some of you can't sleep is because you think you have to control everything. And you can't rest because you can't trust a God who's in complete control. And that's the same reason why some of you work and never take a Sabbath day. So God builds these things into our rhythms as gifts. This is a gracious gift. Isn't sleep a gift? I'm like, I am looking forward to the gift this afternoon. And I'm looking forward uh, to that again. It's a gift. Use it. It's it's to serve you. Every law of God is to bring you to the rest of God. Pharisees had no category for this. So do you know what they did? They elevated their view of rest, but in elevating it, do you know what they had to do? They had to work. They had to work at rest. Rest. And they confuse the categories. We were in Israel a few weeks ago, I told you about that. And they tell you when you get to Israel, every time you go to Israel, they say, look, on the Sabbath, make sure you don't get on the wrong elevator. So here's, even in modern day, this is gonna blow your mind. They say, so you may have a 20 story hotel and you come in the hotel on the Sabbath and the Sabbath over there is from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. If you get on a Sabbath elevator, You're in trouble because the Sabbath elevator stops at every floor on the way up and on the way down. Why? To prevent you from the work involved in doing this. You see, pushing a button is considered work. Really? Yeah, that's how strict all the codes and restrictions and the code of conduct, that's the the, the world that still exists in Orthodox Judaism. And that's the world the Pharisees created. They had no category for somebody being hungry and just simply needing to eat. And so Jesus reminds them of this and he tells them a story. He reminds them of their Old Testament Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 21. He reminds them of this story, verse 3. Jesus answered them and said, have you not read? I love that because he knew they had read. They read, they memorized, they codified, they categorized. Yeah. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? David, their their king, the, the greatest hero in the Bible. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath, referring to himself as the one who actually created the Sabbath, regulates the Sabbath, and gives the Sabbath as a good gift to people for a particular reason. What's the ultimate purpose of this fourth commandment? It's simply this. We don't have to work to earn God's favor. We can rest because of the work of the Lord of the Sabbath. And the work of the Lord of the Sabbath was on the cross, paying the penalty for sin. Therefore, there's freedom, it's a gift. And yet Pharisees, they miss the purpose of the law, because they've created so many external rules and codes of conduct. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I was privileged to be able to speak at the chapel service at Cedarville University. My, my Two of my kids go to Cedarville University in Ohio. We love Cedarville. I love Dr. Thomas White, the president there. You go onto the Cedarville campus, you feel like you're walking into Gospel City Church. There's an atmosphere of a vertical worship and intentional discipleship, I just love it. I've seen both of my kids just take off spiritually and mature in so many ways. I love Cedarville, you got kids, send them Cedarville. And I love being asked to speak in chapel. I've, I've spoken chapel there th- three times. And this is an amazing event. 4,000 college kids, all passionate, fired up, with a worship team like we just experienced. And then you get up to engage them and you got 30 minutes to cram it all in because they got to go back to class. And they do this every day. I'm like, oh, this is, this is so great. Now, the first time I went to Cedarville, you kind of wonder, you know, what should I wear? What, you know, what do you wear at a, on a college campus? And so I, I went kind of conservative. I, I, you know, tucked my shirt in and I had a coat and I delivered my message, but I felt overdressed. So the second time I went and spoke, I got rid of the coat and I kept my shirt tucked in. The third time I went, just a couple weeks ago, I thought, I'm looking at 4,000 college kids, not one of them has a shirt tucked in. I can't even find any collars in the room. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to engage these people so I dress the way I'm dressed right now. As a matter of fact, I wore this shirt. And it went great, had a wonderful time, packed up, went home. Cedarville live streams their, their chapel services and just like we do on Facebook and so you can kind of comment on it. And so I, I actually saw the comments that people were making. People were very nice and you know, making wonderful comments. And then there was this one comment. This is what it said. Tuck in your shirt. <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, is that really the deepest, deepest theological question we need to ask whether to tuck or untuck? Really? I clicked on the guy to see who it was and it took me, uh, you know, you can do that. You can spy on people. And you know, it, it was a pastor, a pastor of a small church. I'm sure it was a wonderful church, but it, it showed him. And, and sure enough, he's in a coat and tie in his church. Now, if I got invited to speak at his church, what would I wear? A coat and tie. I don't think I'm going to get invited to speak at his church, though. (laughs) But really, do we need to spend mental energy on this topic? I mean, come on. Is that the height of your religious experience going around and evaluating how people tuck or untuck? whether or not they pierce or don't pierce tattoos, wear their hair, whether they wear a hat in church. I mean, come on, people. Jesus would have been a lot more comfortable with the messiest people. I love it when new people who've never been in church meet Jesus and they get saved and they come into our church. It's a mess. It's like a puppy. They're the cutest things. You wanna hang out with them, but they leave messes everywhere, right? And and that's exactly the way church is supposed to be. And yet Pharisees can't take it. They can't handle it because the people haven't been spiritually house-trained yet. Like, put a piece of newspaper down for them and, you know, let them out. They're more comfortable. I think they're an outside Christian. You know, let them out. No, no, we want them inside. We want them in the house of the Lord. Here's the last thing. Pharisees are more skilled at watching than caring. Verse 6. On another Sabbath, he entered a synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered." All right, so let's identify with the guy with the withered hand. This is back in the day. There were no white collar jobs, only blue collar jobs. That guy's right hand was important. That guy's right hand was the source of all of his productivity. And like many of us, I'm sure he wrapped his productivity around his identity. And when he lost his productivity, when that hand began to wither, his identity was probably taking a hit. Am I still valuable? Do I have worth? Maybe you've been disabled. Maybe you have gotten old. Maybe there's a weakness that you didn't used to have and you've lost productivity. If your identity is tied to your productivity, You're gonna lose your sense of value, your sense of worth. And maybe that is what this guy is experiencing. Don't ever wrap your identity to your ability to produce, your ability to produce money, your ability to produce children, your ability to produce approval. And whether it's a withered hand or a withered brain or a withered body, be careful because all of us are physically withering So this guy shows up and Jesus has compassion on him. And in verse seven, it says, the scribes and the Pharisees watched him. Now see the word watched in verse seven. That word actually means spied on him. They watched him out of the corner of their eye to see what he was gonna do. To see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. That's what Pharisees do. They don't look for a reason to love him. They look for a reason not to love him. They look for a reason to accuse him. In verse eight, Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and he stood there. And Jesus said to him, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm? Now, this is not a hard question. Multiple choice choice. Sabbath day, good or harm? Which one are we going with? Good. Just to clarify, he says it another way. To save life or destroy it. Not a hard question. Which one are we going with? Save life. But do you know the Pharisees are sitting there answering that question? Harm, destroy. And they thought that was the right answer. Why? Because it's the Sabbath. They did not understand the law of love, which trumps all of their religious man made categories. And so, in verse 10, after looking at them, I just love that. Now, Jesus is spying on them and he's examining them. He said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. All right, so Jesus heals people in different ways every time. Jesus could have looked at that guy and said, like, Your hand's fine. And his hand would have been fine, right? But he doesn't do that. He requires the guy to do something first. What? Stretch out your hand. If you don't stretch out your hand, I'm not healing it. He makes him stretch out his hand. Why? To violate the Sabbath just to stick it in the eye of the Pharisees? Yeah, do that. Oh, look, he just violated the Sabbath. Yeah, and he got his hand healed. Because the law of love is all about caring and doing good and bringing life. The law was never meant to do harm. The law was never meant to destroy. Do you care that there are people all around us whose lives are withering? Or do you just sit back and look for a reason why their lives are withering? I know why that, that, they probably, you know, spent their money unwisely. They probably got some kind of a drug addiction. But do you care? And are you interested in those people being restored? Pharisees weren't. Last verse, verse 11, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus on the Sabbath. They started working to find a way to destroy Jesus while they pretended to be resting. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're like Levi and maybe you've heard the voice of Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, leave it all. What should you do? Follow him. Maybe your life is withering. Maybe your productivity is withering. What should you do? Stretch out your life to Jesus and let Him restore your identity and your productivity. Maybe you've been working when you should be resting. Don't be a Pharisee and don't judge what everybody else is doing. Look for the Pharisee inside of your heart and boo that Pharisee. Let's bow our heads. I want to invite you to stand right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't rush too quickly past what the Holy Spirit may have said to you this morning. Come back to a humble, broken, dependent, desperate relationship with Jesus. Do you know that you're loved unconditionally? like a groom loves a bride and wins her heart, overcomes her defenses. Your acceptance before Jesus is not based on your work. It's based on his work on the cross for your sin. Jesus, remind us of that. And Lord, I pray that this would be a place where you continually call sinners to repentance. That Pharisees are quickly driven out bring us back to humility and faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: I think all of us can see pharisaical traits in ourselves from time to time, but Trent Griffith has been showing us that the solution to legalistic, proud thinking is a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church to call home, we'd like to invite you to visit Gospel City Church for a worship service. We meet in both Granger, Indiana and in Elkhart County. For information about where and when we meet, just go to our website, mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook for more great content when you search for Gospel City Church. Well, have you ever stood on your head Everything looks different when you're upside down, doesn't it? Next week, Pastor Trent tells us about how we might be living life upside down all the time and not even realize it. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and it's my prayer that the law of love would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.